Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We're going to be speaking with our old friend Stevie P in the next segment. Other than that, if you would like, it, there will be open phone lines. We, we, we it, bec- it became, um, well, we didn't get to the previews of the of last weekend's game till Friday. So I'm hoping to start it a little earlier today. We really, we've talked very little. We talked a little bit about the Cowboys and the Cheaters matchup because some Cowboy fans called. But other than that, we haven't talked a great deal at all about the NFL matchups and a couple of them seem relatively easy on the surface, but we'll see how, how it plays out. So we'll start talking about that as well today. Uh, things as expected did not go well at all for LSU men's basketball team last night. Got beat, what, 18 to Auburn. Auburn is now 5-1 and one in conference. LSU's 1-5. So, again, not, not a big surprise. It is a um, situation where, you know, LSU played good enough defense. Auburn shot 44% from the field. LSU outscored him at the line by four. Uh, Auburn only hit, you know, thir- shot 33%, which is not terrible, but not great. I mean, you normally can win if the other team – makes eight out of 24 three-pointers. And the rebounding wasn't that different. They got our LSU got a rebounded by three, 41-38. So all those numbers are fine, but the problem with LSU is they can't score. They they made four out of 23 pointers and only shot 29% for the game. So it's just it's just hard to beat a team that's better than you if you don't shoot well. It's just it's just it's just difficult. So thing I don't know that if it's going to get better anytime soon situation with the Pelicans. The long-term situation for the Pelicans is obviously better because when they get two or hopefully all three of their starters back, you feel like they're going to start winning games. But right now, it's not a lot of fun. Got hammered at home last night. What, 124 to 98 by the Heat. And um, Marshall and Murphy... Who at times have really have played really well, combined six of nineteen, and and they didn't have good games. So, the Pelicans have now lost seven of ten, and they're hoping to get players back soon. So, uh, for most of the fans in this area who pull for the LSU and or the Pelicans, not a good night. The Cajuns will hit the road again. Man, it seems like they've been on the road for a month. I mean, really, and and they kind of have. Um, the Cajuns play at Arkansas State tonight, and they it's been they've lost four straight there. As we talk with Coach, um, as we talk to Coach Marlin on Tuesday, it's nine the last nine meetings between these two teams, the home team is one. So we'll see if the Cajuns can change that tonight in Jonesboro and the Cajun women play 
at home tonight against ODU, which is a huge game. And for those of you who don't know about the history of, of women's basketball, in my lifetime, you know, ODU was a powerhouse. So it's kind of cool to be playing a program that used to be like a dynasty kind of a program in the sport. LSU women um, will play at 8 o'clock tonight, 7.30 pregame, 8 tip at home against Arkansas, and you can hear all that action right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yes, uh, I didn't really tune in yesterday. I was kind of in and out. Um, Y'all talk about uh, the quarterback who transferred, the LSU quarterback? We did quite a bit, yes, sir. And how was that? What was the reaction? Uh, You know, I'm sure they – I'm going to TCU. Oh, you know, good luck, good luck. But now he's playing with a team in the conference. Matter of fact, a team in the division. What what was the sentiment? Well, I mean, um, you know, one caller was saying it's not LSU's fault. And I don't – I mean, maybe I – you know, maybe there's some of that. I guess I haven't really been scouring the message boards to see the reaction. I've heard people talking about it. Um you know, he he went and redshirted to, hit, and so that kind of, it's a smart thing to do, and yet it could kind of put you behind the eight ball a little bit. And when Nuss, I think they were thinking or slash hoping Nussmeyer would would be the one hitting the portal, and when he didn't, you know, they're looking at another year maybe as a third string quarterback, and he didn't want to do that another year. So, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that are negative, but I haven't, I didn't get a whole lot of it there. You know, if you're a quarterback, Lane Kiffin's a you can pick a worse coach to go play for. I knew he wasn't going to start a game at LSU. I felt that he wasn't, you know, I don't care what he was rated out of high school. I just felt that he wasn't going to play a down at LSU. That's just, I don't know. I just, uh, then when Daniels got in there, I know Daniels kind of struggled in the beginning, but. He turned it around, you know. I knew he was going to stay another year. Um, yeah, I'm kind of shocked about Enough Meyer. But who knows the situation with that? Um, but I, I'm not surprised, man. That, you know, I know, and I and I told a, a person on this radio, me on this uh, station. You know, it was all smokescreen. You know, I I know Kelly commit um, recruited him out of uh, Notre Dame, but once he got to LSU. Sure, some of the requirements change who he can recruit and who he can't. So, you know, he took that opportunity. He got better quarterbacks at that position uh, according to what they what they rank out of high school. But you know, I wish him well. You know, what I'm saying I, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hate on any young man who's trying to better himself. Because um, we, cause, you know, when it comes down to it, we pick and choose on who we upset when and who we not. You know. So, so I do, I do commend the uh, ones who 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 came at him, you know, because you know at least they stick to their guns. But I know some people who attack certain athletes. They want an athlete pull a move like this, you know. Now they start reflecting, you know. Um, so I, I, I give I give a shout out to the ones who stay true to who they are. But I don't care if I'm a player transfer or not. You know, he has to do what's best for him and his family. Or for in this situation. Well, him and his family. Now, I wonder what his dad feel about this. His dad played at LSU. He did, and and I'm sure Jamie gets it. I'm sure there's a part of, and I haven't spoken to Jamie, but 
if I'm, I'm sure there's a part that really wanted him to play at LSU, but he understands the business. I mean, he's, he's not naive to the realities of the situation, and, and I'm sure he wants his son to have the best college playing experience that he can, and, you know, he's going to an SEC school. It could be worse, and we'll see what happens. No, that's, I don't think there's ever been a QB out of this area who's ever started at a, a major program. Am I, am I wrong? Am I missing anyone in the past at least twenty years? Well, I mean, I, I mean, obviously Jamie did. Let let let. Um... Yeah, but I'm talking about someone who had success. And and to me, I, I think that his, his, in the situation he went through at LSU, you know, I was a young kid. The situation he went through at uh, LSU, well, I was a teenager. With the situation he went through at LSU, basically, I think kind of impacted how they recruit quarterbacks coming out of these areas, especially the ones who come out of the private schools. You know, look at the quarterback who played for Turlins. He went to Arkansas. He had to transfer. You know, and he had success in the Southland Conference. Um, like I said, man, I think uh, we'll see what Kiffin does with him. Um, and I'm rooting for him. But, like I said, I'm not surprised at all that he transferred. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. Well, I again, I don't, I don't know that we can be surprised at all anymore about anyone transferring especially if they're not playing. Now, what might you might say, well, I'm surprised if someone's playing a lot and then they transfer, then you start thinking, well, there's some sort of personality conflict here. But if someone's not playing and they transfer, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anybody can be surprised, especially when you look at next season and on paper, there's really no, like Koki was saying yesterday, no real prospects that he's going to play anymore next year. And so you really aren't surprised. Um, now, some people might be surprised at where he ended up because the first and the most logical thing was that he was going to go to TCU. They seem to have a quarterback opening. He had a former high school teammate that transferred there. They had a really nice season, made it all the way to the finals. And so, um, but again, it's Ole Miss is its own little, you know, it's got its own little traditions and all. And, and, and I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has to do with Lane Kiffin's one of the most respective offensive minds in college football. And like I said earlier, if you are going to go to a school as a quarterback in a transfer situation, you could pick a worse coach, uh, you know, as a quarterback to play for a lot worse. Like most of the ones you would pick would not be as good as, you know, being with Lane Kiffin and he's, I think he's matured. He's still a little on the, you know, on the fringy side of coaching personalities, but uh, he he he's not saying a bunch of crazy stuff anymore. So I I think he's um, you know, we'll see we'll see how quickly he plays and how often he plays, but it'll make when LSU plays Ole Miss, it'll make it pretty interesting there. Uh, for the next couple years. And I was thinking when Jay was talking, there really had, look, for a while there, there, forget about just the Lafayette area. There weren't any big-time quarterbacks coming out of 
Louisiana at all for a while. Uh, it had it had been you know it not at that level. I mean, besides the Mannings, obviously, and but there just wasn't. You know, there was a good decade there that other than Eli, it just wasn't a whole lot. A lot it wasn't a you know, a lot of offensive linemen, a lot of wide receivers, some running backs, but you you know, it's it's not the most quarterback plentiful um state over the years. For as good as it is recruiting, not always a lot of quarterbacks come out of here. So no, that that's that's true. Uh I think there's more of late, obviously. But for a while there, I don't know. I'm 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 trying to. I remember discussing this quite a bit. That was probably 10, 10 12, 15 years ago. But for a while there, there just wasn't a whole lot coming out. And uh, we'll see how, how how it plays out. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, um, we'll shift gears a little bit and talk with our old friend Stevie P. Uh, who now works with Lafayette Recreation and Parks about a couple of issues, but um, most notably, um, you know, Saints issues and some recreation. Before we do that, uh, I think we have someone on the line, so let's go to the hotline. We'll take one more call before we get to our first timeout. Hello. Hey, Kevin, this is Shane. Howdy, sir. Uh, uh, hey, I like when the, uh, the caller calls uh, Jay. Uh-huh. I like when he calls in. He, 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 it's like he almost wants to start something controversy, but they, he, he backs off. But I like that. Uh, Robbie Mafus, Lafayette High, <laughs> he played at LSU quarterback in the, I want to say, around 78, uh, 77 year. But he struggled. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I, I, I mean, that was a little bit before my time, but I certainly remember Robbie Malfus, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, just, I know you were uh, talking about that, yeah. but anyway. No. All right, that's all I got. All right, thank, thank you. you. Yes, that was, uh, again, I started kind of, my freshman year was the 80 fall football season. So, I, I you know, I kind of – from afar, paid a little bit of attention to high school football in the '70s, but my frame of reference really starts when I when I was a freshman uh, in high school in '80 '81, and so I, I did not see Robbie play. But yeah, you know Lafayette High had a string there in the '70s of of all state quarterbacks, and some of them uh, did quite well. And they had a lot of wide receivers that, you know, they were throwing the ball when a lot of other teams weren't throwing the ball then. So they'll know that that is true. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Talk to Stevie P on the other side on the game. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote 
and footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. want to remind you tonight, tune in from 6 to 7 for a special edition of the McNeese Coaches Show from Maplewood Burgers in Lake Charles, line of, uh, brought to you by Line of Bed of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Um, Jim Gazzolo will be talking with McNeese softball coach James Landrino. always very competitive in softball, looking forward to um, some great matchups between UL and McNeese, and they seem to have great games all the time. So tune in starting at 6 o'clock tonight. McNeese Coaches Show right here at the game, 1037 Lafayette, one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A man that I know has seen quite a few UL McNeese softball games over the years. Mr. Stevie P., how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Kevin. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm trying to, I'm trying. uh, What I want to know is what have you done in the last week to make your attempt to keep Lamar Jackson from going to the Atlanta Falcons? I I, I haven't done anything, but to be quite honest, I think he's gone. I mean, you know, where he's going, I don't know. I think he's gone. I, I, you know, the Ravens, I thought, should have locked him up when they had an opportunity a couple of years ago. Uh, Lamar Jackson basically did them a solid last year by, you know, playing on a one-year deal. Uh, I, I, I could certainly see both sides. You know, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm like, why haven't you locked me up? You know, I'm your franchise player. You built your offense around me. You have your, you know, you, you, the entire coaching staff's built around Lamar Jackson. The bottom line is that they're not nearly as good as a football team without Lamar Jackson as they are with him. On the flip side of that, Lamar Jackson didn't play the last six games. Why? Injuries. You know, he, 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 when you play that type of style and you get hit as much as he gets hit, you know, if I'm a team, I'm going to say, well, you know, am I, am I, do, do I want to, you know, uh, dish out a long-term high-salary contract for a guy that's probably not going to make it through 17 games. You know, uh, we go back to the the past with football. You know, we talk about quarterbacks that were running. Well, they're not going to last. Well, understand now, you play 17 games, not even 16, plus the playoffs to win a Super Bowl with a guy like that. And look, Lamar Jackson is great. I was a Lamar Jackson guy coming out of coming out of college. When I thought the Saints traded for him, uh, I wasn't particularly happy because of the fact that, you know, they had Drew Brees, and I thought that they were set up to go, go to a Super Bowl, and I was saying, look, don't draft the quarterback. But I would have been able to live with it because he's a great player. But can you win a Super Bowl with a guy that plays that style? 17 weeks during the regular season and three, four weeks in the postseason, that's kind of hard to do. But I don't want him to go to the Falcons because I think he's a great player and he makes them uh, you know, better right off the bat. There are a lot of people that are starting to think that Trey Lance putting two and two together and think Trey Lance may end up in Tennessee, which was one of the potential spots I would think that Lamar Jackson would go to. So I think if he leaves, I'm deeply, deeply concerned he's going to the Falcons. I mean, do do you not still have Michael Vick flashbacks of the Saints trying to tackle that cat and they can't tackle him? I, I certainly do. I certainly do. But what about the other team in the NFC South? I mean, no, I haven't heard anything with Lamar Jackson being affiliated with the, with the Carolina Panthers, but I've said it before. I think the Panthers have a great roster. Not, not just a good one, as you would say, a great one. 
uh, you know, minus the quarterback situation. I mean, they lack some skilled people. You know, they could use a receiver. They could certainly lose a, use a, a, a running back. But I think their defense is as good as – as uh, a Super Bowl type of type of defense, but they need you some cornerbacks. I mean, they yeah, need. Yeah, you give them a quarterback. Yeah, you give them a quarterback, and, and the Panthers are, are easily, in my opinion, the team to beat the NFC South. Well, got to make sure first of all that Casper the Quitter don't go there. All right, before we get too far along the line, uh, as we said, you're working with Lafayette Recreation and Parks now. So, is there anything that uh, any business we need to take care of? Inform people what's going on over there now. Well, we're going to be we have a big night tonight, Kevin. Uh, we're going to be busy, but it's going to be busy in a fun way. We have our annual uh, youth awards night banquet. It's going to be held at the Martin Luther King Center. It's going to be at uh, at seven o'clock. Uh, going to have a social at six o'clock. Dave Stewart, who I know you're familiar with, Kevin, but for those that don't know, I mean, uh, we're talking about one of the best pitchers, and I'm not over exaggerating. One of the best pitchers in baseball from the late '80s to the early '90s. He won a World Series MVP a two-time American League Division Series Most Valuable Player, pitched a no-hitter, a two-time All-Star. Uh, you know, he, he's, and he's really done it all in baseball. He was a, you know, an All-Star pitcher. He was a pitching coach for multiple teams. He was a general manager, and now he's a player agent. And there, there even is some talk about him uh, being associated with a group that, that is interested in bringing an expansion team to Nashville. You know, a lot of talk about expansion in Major League Baseball and what cities are, are uh, maybe probable. Well, Stewart's heading up a group of investors that want to bring uh, the team to, uh, to, to, to Nashville. So looking forward to hearing from uh, him tonight. Also in attendance going to be Shane Yeoman, who, of course, started New Iberia High School, pitched at LSU, and pitched a couple of years with the Pittsburgh Pirates before a very successful professional career in Taiwan and the Chinese Professional Baseball League. We're also going to have some former football players there, Shannon Clavell and Brandon Mitchell, who uh, were have done things that that some of the greats in football have not done, and, and that's they won a Super Bowl ring. Of course, Shannon Clavell won one. With the uh, with the Green Bay Packers and Brandon Mitchell won one with the New England Patriots. I mean, you know, Brandon was on one of those early Patriot teams that won a Super Bowl that began the dominant Bill Belichick, Tom Brady era. So he's going to be there. Wade Ritchie, who of course started Karen Crow High School and, and LSU and pick, uh, kicked the several teams in the NFL, he's going to be in attendance tonight. But it's really to honor our fall participants in both uh, football and and volleyball. Uh, you are invited. Uh, of course, it's the last day. If you have any interest interest in attending the banquet tonight, give me a call at my office at 291-8380. That's 291-8380. And while we're at it, of course, uh, baseball and softball so, uh, uh, season right around the corner. If you have interested interest in your uh, youngster, either male or female, boy or girl, uh, if you're interested in them participating in either baseball or softball, give us a call here at the office, and we'll be more than happy to help you out. All right, so, so you're going to have to ask somebody tonight. Maybe Dave Stewart could even do it. Who is going to be the backup catcher for the Houston Astros this year? Well, you, you don't you don't think it's going to be Corey Lee? I'm ask, I mean, I, 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 that'd be the, my best guess at this point. Uh, I mean, they, you know, they, they're going to get a veteran. I think they have to get a veteran. To just in case Corey Lee doesn't work out, you know, uh, you know Maldonado's a guy that you know he's 38 years old now. You know, he suffered through some injuries last year. He's just not a guy that's going to be able to catch 120 games. So you need an insurance policy, and you know there are guys out there. I mean, people forget <laughs> Jason Castro was on this team at the beginning of of last year. 
uh, you know, uh, Nico Goodrum, who's not a catcher, but he was on this team at the beginning of the year. Remember how awful he was, you know, the first couple of weeks into the season? I wouldn't panic because the Astros don't have depth at catcher right now. I think they're going to see what they got at spring training. I think they're going to see what veterans are still available in spring training and what veterans become available once teams start making cuts and whatnot. And then, of course, they got the whole season really up until July to make a trade. I think the Astros are going to open up the season with Maldonado and Lee as their catching duo. But I certainly think that uh, that's going to change as the year progresses. I think they're going to make a uh, a trade for a veteran catcher. How about Roberto Perez? Why haven't they signed him yet? Well, that's a guy that I'm interested in in as well. You know, if you would have asked me, you know, okay, Steve, give us a guy that you think that the Astros should probably go after is Roberto Perez. We're probably on the same page right there. That might be a Perez thing, though. Perez might be saying, well, you know, I think I'm a guy that that, that could probably start about 100 games for you. You know, he might – it might be a a contract thing with him. It might be a playing time thing with him. I think that that as the closer it gets to spring training, if no other team signs Perez, I think that the Astros become even more likely – because of the fact that he's going to simply run out of options. But I, to defend the Astros there, I think they're interested in Perez. I think that he's probably looking at it and say, well, you know, they got Maldonado and they got Lee. I want to go to a place where I think I could be a little bit more stable. I uh, I, I, I really think it's po- – and I, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm re- I, I really think it's possible Candy's hit a wall at the end of life. Like, he played hurt last year. It's like he, he put all his effort into winning the title, and it was great. But, man, I, I don't know how much more you can expect him to, to go in terms of being productive for long periods of time. And I'm a guy, you know, me catches a defensive position. Uh, I thought he slipped a little bit, yes. you know, over the last couple of years as a defensive catcher. And I'm not talking about throwing the ball. You know, you and I have talked about this millions of times, Kevin. Uh, Mike Piazza is an underrated catcher. Could he throw anybody out? No. Terrible arm, couldn't throw anybody out. But there is more to catching just throwing. As a matter of fact, on the flip side of that, Pudge Rodriguez is an overrated defensive catcher. He's great in terms of throwing people out, but the rest of his game isn't really isn't all that impressive. But to get back to, to, to Maldonado, he's hit under 200 the last couple of seasons. We all know he's not a big threat at the plate, even though he did provide some power last year. But I actually think his defense has slipped over the last couple of years. And yes, it is a concern. No question. All right. Do you feel like I, I think tonight for the Cajun women is, is is a huge game because if they can take care of business of last place Arkansas State on Saturday, if they beat ODU tonight, they have a chance to like like stop doing this you know seesaw thing and re- maybe get ahead of the game a little bit. Yeah, I think it's it, it's an important game. It, it it really is. They they are so close to being you know, two wins better than what they are. And in a game against Troy was a was a killer because, you know, Troy's a difficult team to, to prepare for, especially on a, on a Saturday. You know, it's different if you're playing Troy on a Thursday because you really got five days to prepare for them. But what happened to the Cajuns is they have to play them on a Thursday. They have to play South Alabama at home on a Thursday. Get on a bus on Friday and play a Troy team who just plays a different style of basketball. They get up and down the floor. They crash the boards like crazy. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying that if they would have played them on Thursday, they would have won. I'm just saying it's a little bit of a disadvantage. They, they could have won that game. You know, you go back to the week prior and they, you know, they lost in overtime. They've come so close. But on the, on the positive side, 
they're showing more consistency offensively. Now, I'm saying that they could come out and shoot 20% tonight. You know, I, I think we all know that. But I really do think that they're finding their stride a little bit offensively. Lene Wheaton is playing at the level that she played at last year. And, you know, credit to Coach Gary Broadhead. Tamara Johnson, I've always said, has the ability to be one of the greats. I'm talking about one of the top 20 players in UL women's basketball history. I just wish that time she'd be a little bit more aggressive offensively. And I think Coach Broadhead has made a concerted attempt to say, okay, coming out of a timeout, look, we need to get Tamara some touches. We need to get her some looks because bottom line is that they're not going to beat the really good teams in the conference without her. And over the last couple of weeks, they've been getting production from her. They've been getting production from Lene Wheaton. And really, they've been getting production from from really everybody. I mean, you know, Kyra Wren, you, you see some of the low post moves that she's added to her game? She definitely, I mean, she, she, yeah, she but she like got. A, she looks like a young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar there. Yeah, but, 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 but Steve, you, you, you got you to gotta get um, Mariah and Kyra and, and give them a free throw shooting lesson. Oh, you know, Kyra does a lot. Of, Can you do uh, that? Does a lot of good things. Uh, shooting free throws is not one of them. Yeah, no. it's not one of them. All, <laughs> no, all right, one, w- 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 one more thing. If you had to guess right now, is Pete Carmichael coming back, one? And two, if you had to guess, who's going to be the quarterback opening day for the Saints? Ooh, the second one is really, really interesting. I don't think Pete Carmichael – well, let, let, let's take that back now. Okay. Sean Payton, is he going to coach next year? You know, a lot of people thought after the Chargers blew it in in, in their first playoff game that it was kind of automatic that, oh, you know, well, Sean Payton's going to the Chargers. Justin Herbert's been rumored for a while. Well, the Chargers look like they're bringing back Staley now. I mean, they fired basically their whole coaching staff except for him. So what are really the options for Sean Payton right now? And he went on record the last couple of weeks basically saying, well, look, the goal is to come back. But I could sit out another year. And he even said, you know, talk about negotiation with the Saints. He said, you know, if I sit out another year, then uh, the compensation that's due to the Saints will drop a little bit. And he's right. So if you're a Saints fan, you want Sean Payton coaching this year. You don't want him coaching the Panthers. But you want him coaching this year so they can get that first-round draft choice for him. He says on another year, his value declines. But basically, Peyton is saying in a roundabout way to the Saints, look, don't hold my team hostage. Otherwise, you know, I just might sit out another year. So do I think Sean Peyton's going to coach next year? Yes. I bet that he coached next year. But it's not guaranteed. And I could see him sitting out next year. So the answer to your first question is, if Sean Peyton coaches next year, I think that Pete Carmichael is going to follow him. I really do. In terms of who's going to be the Saints quarterback, Look, Derek Carr would make the New York Jets, who have one of the best defenses in the NFL, would make them a certainly a playoff, if not vaulting into the Super Bowl caliber contender because their defense is that good. I'm, a lot of teams would like to have Derek Carr. But okay? we got to get Lamar Jackson to go there so we don't go to Atlanta. You're not, you're not well, thinking right. <laughs> okay, I'm not thinking right. But... <laughs> But I really think that his relationship with, uh, with Dennis Allen, who drafted him, I mean, they, they, it wasn't like they were together forever. I think that he, he sees a situation with the Saints where the Saints still have a good roster. He sees a situation with the Saints where, okay, you know, Tampa's, gonna, Tampa's declining. You know, Atlanta, unless they get Lamar Jackson, you know, they're still going to be the Falcons. You know, the Panthers are good, but if I go to the Saints, 
and the Panthers don't get a quarterback, the Saints are the favorites in the NFC South next year. Plus, they uh, uh, the, the Saints have no desire, it looks like, and I agree with it, not, not to drop the quarterback, anything. So I will, I'm certainly not sure of it, but I think Derek Carr, maybe as I'm thinking with my heart, I think Derek Carr is going to be a quarterback of the Saints. Well, I, 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 I'd be all, I'd be all for it, but we gotta, again, we gotta, we gotta, we got a full court press. We cannot let Lamar Jackson come to Atlanta. I, the last two years have been too mentally hard on me for have to chase Lamar Jackson for the next eight years. No, I don't want, I don't want no part of that. Yeah. Uh, no, normally I feel kind of better when I'm talking with you, but you, with that Lamar Jackson talk to the Falcons, you've actually depressed me. This <laughs> yes. Well, that hit me two weeks ago and I have not been able to let it go. So I'm trying to speak it out of existence. All right, sir. We appreciate your time as always. Uh, we'll see you at the Cajun Dome. Kevin, as always, it's been your pleasure. Yes, sir. <laughs> he is the man. We didn't even get to food. Uh, one of these episodes, we're gonna talk when he's on. We're gonna we're going to bring up food, and and you're not even gonna believe the words that are gonna come out of his mouth. I mean, you're not even gonna believe it. So, uh, we're not there yet, but there's gonna be a time, you know, we, weeks from now, where we're gonna bring up food, and, and and you're just not even gonna believe it. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Ash. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game want to remind you the game clubhouse if you don't join there's all kind of great prizes you won't be eligible to win like cypress bayou casino resort where you can win a 150 dollars gift certificate to mr lesser steakhouse or a 25 dollars gift certificate to mabel's kitchen or how about a 40 dollars gift card to misfit dine and drink in broussard or my personal favorite a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Any of these great prizes, as well as others that come up from time to time, you can't win if you don't become a member of the Game Clubhouse. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, let's go to the Game Hotline. Hello. Morning, foot. Good morning, sir. Yeah, has he done has he done that all season or no? I think he did because I was reading a little article last night on a Dallas Cowboys page, uh, and it was saying uh, it, I think it was a sideline report or something saying how he was watching Brett Maher before the game and he was like kind of walking around and testing the sod on Raymond James' fit, uh, the field, and supposedly he found some bad spots or whatever. So maybe that had something to do. Maybe the left hash marks was where he felt 
more comfortable from kicking or something. I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, kind of makes sense. But uh, another thing I want to address with you is the reason why I see that Sean Pete is not coaching next year. I was looking out for you, okay? And and, and and hear me out on this. If Sean Payton does, if somebody signs Sean Payton to deal this offseason, okay, y'all going to get a first-round pick, right? So guess what that means? You're going to have to stress out once again if the Saints are going to gonna waste their first-round pick on a, on, a, on a quarterback. You see what I'm saying? I'm thinking outside the book. The, the, the box you, but yeah, I you got think? you. And look, I I I almost would re- like if you told me this, um, and I, and I'm hoping they can get more. But 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 if you told me, okay, you can have a second and a third, and maybe uh-huh. a second or a third next year or a first this year, I'd take the seconds and thirds. So I'm with you there. Right. I, I'm not right. as fixated on a first round draft pick. As some, especially in early, because I really think that the thing that the Saints need the most uh-huh. are not things that you got. You're going to draft in the top ten or twelve picks anyway. Like they need a right. possession receiver. You're not going to draft a possession receiver in the top ten or twelve picks. They need a um, defensive tackle to stop the run. You might, but usually you don't draft that in the top. 10. So the things that they need other than a quarterback, and I don't want a rookie quarterback anyway, I, I, I don't I don't have to have a hybrid. I need picks. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, now, another thing, you know, when, when you were addressing the Cowboys and the, and the, um, the, the, the Buccaneers this past weekend, you, you, you were talking about it towards the end of your show yesterday. I agree with you 100%. I was more excited about uh, Dallas finally beating uh, Tom Brady more than anything. You know what I'm saying? No. I mean, I, I really wasn't, you know, you know, if I, oh, we, we won a playoff game. Because, I mean, that was a bad Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that we played last week. You know, and, and, and they got to go into this San Francisco game or Cheetahs game, like you like to call them, with a totally different mind because it's a totally different team they play. Yes, a yeah. lot better team. That, that, that they're playing. They can't just go in there and say, oh, we, we, we want to play. No, this is a whole different ball game that we're going into Sunday. You see what I'm saying? No, I, I, I think I think the cheaters, to your point, I think the cheaters are in hot pursuit. I think the I think the yucks, if you ask them all, many of them were very relieved that this season is over. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and all the pre- like I keep saying, all the pressure's on them because they got they on a win streak right now. It wasn't you that that, that I think said a while back that saying that you don't want to go into the playoffs. No, that's true. Streak. That they they they're on a win streak a little too long. If I was a cheater fan, I'd be a little worried. I hadn't thought a lot about that, but you're right. That that that's one thing that works against them. They've won too many games in a row. Right. You know, and Brock Purdy, he's due for a loss, man. He's just due for a loss. I mean, streaks got to come to an end at certain, uh, at one point or another. You at some point, saying? at some time, you would think so, yes, sir. So that's kind of what's been calming, calming me down a little bit and keeping me in a positive mindset. But anyway, uh, uh, one one more other thing, real quick. You don't think the Bears keep the number one pick and go after Will Anderson? Somebody like oh, Will I mean, I, I I think that's very possible. But if I'm them. I got, I got, there's so many people that are going to want a quarterback and desperate for one 
that you should be able to really help your team. I, I'm not saying he's not a great player because on paper he is, but I, I, I would uh-huh. be going for multiple picks. Right, right. Yep. All right, so thanks for taking my call, and uh, I'll catch you later. All man. right, Thanks. take care. Thank you. No, those are many good points that, that, that Martin brought up. I, I hadn't really focused a lot on the fact that the Cheaters have won a lot of games in a row. Um, and, you know, you don't uh, – I mean, it's not like they've won some historic amount, so they're not like battling history or something. But, you you know, every time you win a game, when, you, when your win streak starts getting to 9 and 10 and 11, you know, there's not that many people that win – you know, more than ten or eleven games in a row. It doesn't. It happens. It happens, but it's not like it happens all the time. And so it's 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 a um, it's something to consider. But I, I I don't I just if the Eagles come out and play as well as they were playing at midseason and just handle the Giants. I guess I could see them competing well, but as not really expecting that to happen because the Eagles haven't played at that level in a while now and over, you know, probably six weeks or so. I, I just I just don't see anybody beating the Cheaters in the NFC. I just I just don't see it happening. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. How you doing, my man? Howdy, sir. Kevin, kind of off subject real quick. I've been listening to the national media, uh, the college national media recently, uh, and this morning, as of this morning, and it's it's about Billy Napier. Uh, the whole thing about Brian Kelly and Billy Napier, who LSU should have hired and stuff. Brian, uh, uh, Kevin, I don't know if you've seen uh, Billy lately, but he looks like he's aged about 10 years. Um, they have the national, the, one of the national best quarterbacks, got out of his letter of intent. Uh, just because of NIL money, um, it seems like the experience that he doesn't have instead of for going from the mid-major to the big SEC or Big Ten, whatever, uh, obviously he's in the SEC, but it's kind of having a toll on him, just a non-experience of head coaching and stuff. What's your whole mindset about what he's going through? I know they've had 23 opouts uh, this season. Uh, do you think he's uh, – do you think he expected all this going into Florida, uh, what it would be? They're now saying that he might have two or three years left. Uh, could you see him coming back uh, to a mid-major and not uh, having all this big, big headache that he has when it comes to uh, the NIL, the, the whole college? Uh, they asked Brian Kelly uh, about what he thinks about all this, and he said he thrives in this. Um, so just give, give me give, give me your impression on what you think what's going on uh, with Brian Kelly and the whole state of uh, of moving on. Thank you, man. It it is a fascinating subject. I obviously have I have not spoken to Billy since he left. But when Billy was here and would pass up jobs that were pretty big jobs, SEC, Big Twelve jobs, to stay with the Cajuns, he often talked about being happy and the simplicity, and I think Billy enjoys the simplicity of life a little more than, like, probably Kelly does. Um, I, I think um, I think the roster and the culture in Florida had gotten to a pretty bad state, so I'm sure a lot of the players that have left, left Florida is something that Billy looks at as he would often say, not all attrition is bad attrition. 
Uh, so I'm sure a lot of that he he's just trying to get everyone that's on the same page as him and, and pulling in the same direction. But when you're playing, you know, in the SEC and you're and you're wanting people and people want to win immediately, that's not an easy process. Not an easy process at all. And just like in the NFL, to Chad's point, if he fails here, I am I he's probably gonna have to go back to a mid major and have success again before he would get another you know, major jobs. So it's it's an interesting scenario. You know, I, I think you got to give him at least two more years before you start thinking that way. But it's not a lot of fun. I agree with that. I'm sure he's not having a, much fun at all. All right. We will take a timeout, come back, finish out the next hour. on the. I mean, the first hour on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Want to remind you if you utilize uh, Amazon Alexa or Google Home Smart Speaker, add radio to that. Make your life easier. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It is that easy, so do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you, home office, wherever you go. You know, the old cliche in life is the grass isn't always greener. And, um, you know, because you hear people all the time say, because, you know, money doesn't make you happy and all that kind of stuff. And those of us who don't have money say, well, I'd like to try. You know, I'd like to see if it would make me happier. Um, certainly uh, maybe a few gray hairs, depending on how you handle that money. And and so, yeah, I mean, it, it is got to be different. You know, there are pressures. You're dealing with young men. So whether you're coaching at a mid-major level or whether you're coaching in the SEC, you're still you you have many of the same issues and problems and obstacles but yeah the the rat race is is a lot more hot and heavy you know at at that upper echelon SEC level than it is for most mid majors so i get it i get that point and um no the, the grass isn't always greener and speaking of that we're going to bring that up again a little different way in the um in the next hour that's it for hour number one another hour to follow stay tuned broadcasting live from the delta media studios in upper lafayette two hours of sports talk like none other footnotes with your host kevin foot come back to footnotes kevin foot on the game southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, simulcast on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, hour of open phone lines. You know, I wasn't going to discuss this again because we talked a lot about it in the last, you know, earlier this week. But but I, I we've heard this report. It's been out for four or five days that Steve just referred to about what the Saints are asking for. Like, 
and and, and uh, Casper first brought this up, or you know, mentioned it in I don't know, maybe when he was talking to Colin Cowherd or something. But he said a mid to late first round pick, as if that's the only pick. No, I, I think the Saints are going to ask, and I think a lot of Saints fans are expecting there to be more than just one pick, especially if he goes to the Arnolds. It could be more than just one first round pick. So I I, I don't quite I, I, that that whole wording of that. Now, you might say at least a first round pick. Like that's the 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 floor and you hope maybe you can get a first and a second or a first and a third or something like that. But to say that you're just going to get a mid to late first round pick. Again, I'm not that concerned about it really it it, do, it wouldn't make me that big a difference whether they get the ninth pick, the 12th pick, or the 27th pick. Like, really. I mean, I guess you could say you'd rather have the ninth pick, but 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 for what? Like, what are you going to get? I don't, I don't. You're going to draft another one of these edge rushers that are combine guys. They, boy, they better work out because the last two hadn't worked out. I don't. I'm not that excited. I'm not heavily motivated by that they pick in the top ten or twelve of the draft. I want more picks. So this whole idea of the Saints are asking for a first round pick and that's it. I don't. I just don't like the sound of that. It's almost like um, Casper's laying the groundwork for a battle here. I don't. I, that kind of worries me. All right, let's go into the game hotline. Hello. Hey, foot. How's it going? Oh, I don't know. I'm still kind of in no man's land. Well, the the idea of drafting high is good in theory, but anybody who wants the Saints to draft high just has no idea about the history of the Saints draft and and what they do with those high picks. You're you're almost I don't know handicapped into taking the best guy available as opposed to a guy that you need. And I feel like the Saints do better drafting when they identify those players that are. I don't want to say diamonds in the rough, but just kind of overlooked players. And you get those more overlooked players. You can, you're more inclined to maybe reach for a player in the 20 to 30 range. When you're drafting in that top 10, you know, th- those boards are out and everybody kind of knows the slots of the players. And you, you kind of got to take one of those guys. If you're, if you're reaching for a, a player that you love that might be ranked 25th and you draft him 6th or 7th, well, you're going to get killed. And so you can kind of – you kind of handicapped that you can take in those that top half of the draft. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sold on that. I, I'm not tied to it. Now, look. I mean, if they make the trade with the with the Texans, say, and they get, I don't think there's any way they're going to get the two pick, and they get the twelve pick in the deal. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be upset with that. I'm, I'm just saying, right. I'm, I, that I'm not going to be any more happy with that than I would at twenty five or twenty six or twenty seven. Is what I'm saying. But have you talked at all about the absolute scheduling screw job the NFL did to the Cowboys? Yes, we have. I mean, the, the, the 49ers played Saturday afternoon at home, and the Cowboys played Monday night on the road, and then now the 49ers play another game at home, and the 49ers got to go on the road. So you're talking about Saturday afternoon, they were done with their game at about 6 o'clock, and they've been resting. Meanwhile, the Cowboys finished their game at midnight on Monday, and they had to travel both times. I mean, it's an un- it's an unbelievable scheduling advantage for the 49ers in this game. Now, 
but I got rebuked by someone who, when I was comment, made a similar comment to you that you just did, that if the Vikings had won, it would have been different. Well, yeah, well, maybe so, but they did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it's like you, you can't. It's the whole Monday night thing. If you if you play all of the NFC games on Saturday and all of the AFC games on Sunday, or whatever you want to do, it doesn't give anybody more of an advantage right. than any other team. But when you schedule this Monday night game, you're always going to be kind of in that spot where the Cowboys just got screwed. And I mean, I'm not a Cowboys fan, so I don't care. But man, if this was the if this was the Saints, and it brought me to my next point, which is if the Saints make the playoffs next year in some kind of wild card situation, you can guarantee they're going to be the Monday night game because that's the kind of stuff that happens to the Saints. Well, and again, the Cowboys are downplaying it, and they should downplay it. But because you say it doesn't matter, doesn't mean it's not going to matter in the second half against a physical football team um, you know, this weekend. So we'll see. And one, one last thing before I go, uh, Stevie P brought up a great point. It's a point that I had thought of before about the Sean Payton and the negotiating tactics. Like, he's already started that. That's the, the phrase, the, the mid-first rounder. That's him starting the negotiations for whatever team he signs for. Like, he doesn't want his new team to be, you know, out of a bunch of really good draft picks. So, he's already putting those phrases out there to kind of yes. get you thinking that's what he's thinking but i mean it's it's a good negotiating tactic but i just hope the things don't fall for it so thanks thank you and we'll be speaking more pelicans with nick tomorrow but um no i, I hope that doesn't get ugly and again we mentioned it yesterday i don't know how ugly if it's ugly at all you know, it's everything seemed when 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 Casper quit. When Casper quit, uh, and they had their little press conference, it didn't seem like there was any animosity. But again, all of that is you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and you don't know what has happened since then. That you know, there might be some hard feelings or some things said when the things started going um, south for the Saints this year. So. I hope everything's on the up and up, that all their relationships and the respect and the, you know, is together. But again, um, I don't think, I think a lot of Saints fans forget exactly how petty he is. Man, if he goes to the Ornals, it's going to be ugly because he's going to say things and do things that's going to make you just hate him. And, you know. For me, it's all about the Saints. I, I I don't play all that other game, but um, and again, if 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 you if he wanted to come back today and the Saints wanted him to come back and they said um, it's up to you, I'd say yes. I, so am I mad at him for leaving? Yes. Do I think he quit? Yes. Do I think he's petty? Yes. Do you know would I take him back right now? Of course I would. I, I'm not like. You know he, he 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 you know he didn't just suddenly um, become like Bill Walsh to me or something. But but man, I I just hope we're not setting ourselves up for something that's about to be nasty. Cause cause he will not be able to hold his tongue, and he would be extremely petty. Well, I mean it would it it could get ugly. Just saying, could get ugly. So hopefully. 
what Nick just said and I said right before we went to that call doesn't kind of manifest itself. But like we discussed yesterday, the Saints need to play a certain amount of hardball, but not too much because you, you, I really want them to get this done. I understand you can wait till next year. I get that. I don't want any – I just – I'm tired of being in no man's land. It's like we got to get out of no man's land, which, you know, it's just. And I want to get back to where no man's land ends at about the 35-yard line. I want to get back to that. Idiot Will Lutz. Of course, when you have a kicker that's much of an idiot as Will Lutz is, you know, the no man's land, you know, goes all the way to like the 22-yard line. It's unbelievable. It's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. How can you not make a field goal indoors? Just kick the ball straight. It's not that difficult. I'm sorry. It's not that difficult. There are no dead spots in in, in artificial turf. You just kick it. You just kick the ball straight. You've been doing this your whole life. I know you don't know how to spell your first name, but before you even knew how to spell, you were probably kicking. Unbelievable. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, morning, Foot. Will what? <laughs> Foot, we got to stop this notion. Everybody crying over good milk since Monday. First of all, I don't think the NFL did anything wrong the way they scheduled them cowgirls. They did justice. Justice. I think they kick a dead justice. I'm expecting him to miss again. I'm expecting them to be tired and wore out. At the end of the day, they're professionals. They've been doing this for a long, quite time, whether it's a short week or not. They got to go out there and play the game. They professionally getting paid. Yeah, no one's saying that they won't. I mean, again, that's not the point. The point is, will it make a difference in the game? And we'll never really know, but there's the perception that it could make a difference. Well, I hope it do make a difference. I hope it hurts the cowgirls. This is their funeral. Last week was the wake. Okay, that was the wake. This time, this is the funeral. So I'm really hoping it makes a big difference. So we all can sit up here, clap, applause, and be feeling good after that loss. Then we worry about the 49ers losing. Let's get the cowgirls out of the way first. Then we get the um, 49ers out of the way. I, I had the cowgirls in the Super Bowl, but as things played out, when, the way with injuries and everything, I think, for, I think we're going to have that rematch, 49ers and the Bengals. That's what I think. But I think the Bengals is going to sit up here and get revenge on them. But anything is possible. Or what's going to go down the pipeline? Injuries, anything. We just need to pump the brakes, and you need to stop speaking in existence this Lamar Jackson thing. Because if he goes there, everybody's going to be mad at you for it. Cause it's be, be mad at me? I, 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 you, I've been trying to get it to not happen since it, that awful, agonizing in thought existence. came into my little mind. But, but you see, you're speaking in existence. No, I'm not. I'm, I, I, you, I, know? I, you know, no. We, we, I, look, we, I started doing, working on. I started not, working. I mean, I mean, some people thought about it, but nobody really spoke on it. But you, I started. I started. I started working on that Eagles and Browns game in April. <laughs> I know my point. Right, yeah. So I started that in April. Foot. We had a tough year. Two tough seasons. We need to take a break and woo saw. We need, uh, we need to right not at, more, we need to pride, not face stress. Lamar Jackson twice a season. Period. I don't want to see him. Nobody do. 
Well, but we don't need to speak it well, in existence. We gotta, so we, we gotta, we, right you gotta do your part to make it not happen. We don't need to be worrying right now. We just need to worry about getting them cowgirls, then them forty niners out. Everything. I'm not worried right. about the cowgirls. I'm, I'm not one, one, one thing at a time. You're not focused. But, I can right? tell you're not focused. I'm not worried about the well, cowgirls. I'm worried about Lamar Jackson not going to Atlanta, and I'm worried about Sean Payton picking somewhere to go so we can move that, forward. That's further down the line. You're not, you're not focused. You're not focused. And now, not the later. You're not focused. I can tell. I'm focused on the no, you're not. Losing. No, I ain't worried about the cowgirls. I'm worried about Lamar Jackson not going to Atlanta and and, and, and Casper getting out of his little vacation we, and coaching. We need, okay, we do need him to sign with a team for those picks, for good picks. We do need him to sign. We need to get out of no go? man's land and start getting some focus for the future. Where is he going to go, though? Is oh, the doors is closing on him, Foot, of what he's looking for? Doors is closing on them. So what are you gonna do? Sit down again and be a broadcaster? That don't that, that don't help us. So I don't know, Flip. We just need to take a break in the offseason right just, now. Let it play just, get focused, just get focused. Just get focused. Don't even watch that game. The Cowboys and the Cheaters, don't even watch. That's an awful game. Don't even watch it. Oh, get focused. Not, you're not focused. You, 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 need, you need to get a therapist. You, you're not focused. <laughs> I, actually, I actually do need one. You no, 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 no. But no. I, I, well, you need to just listen to me more. I can be your therapist. You're not focused. I understand that, and let's do something about it. No, I listen to you all five days a week. For all right. Today. All right. Take care. Have a good one. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Talk to Larry. Hello. Hello. Hey, what's going on, partner? How you doing? I wanted to get your take uh, because I didn't hear it on um, on the Walker Howard situation. Were you as surprised as I am that you actually did this? Well, again, obviously – he grew up an LSU guy, and his dad played at LSU, and I get all of that. But in today's era, any quarterback who's like four or five-star quarterback who sits for two years, it, it, it would never surprise me um, that they leave. Now, when he first happened, me, like a lot of other people, said TCU, maybe Florida, I was a little surprised at the Ole Miss thing. But that makes sense, too. I mean, he's a quarterback, and – and the coach at Ole Miss is one of the most respected offensive minds in college football. Well, if his problem is shitting, um, I mean, they, I understand the family wanted him to red show this first year, get acclimated to everything. All right. He's running with the scout team, which is what he shouldn't be doing if he's not going to play this year. <laughs> and so. Looking forward as a redshirt freshman, he decides he's never got played at LSU. I don't understand. Well, um, if Nussmeyer doesn't leave, and so he's not going to be the starting quarterback next year, and if he's behind Nussmeyer now, he's thinking he might still be behind, so he won't be the quarterback. He won't play the next year either unless Nussmeyer gets hurt. So, in other words, he, he feels he's not as good as Nussmeyer. He'll never beat him out. Or he feels that the coaches or feel. Yeah. Or he feels that the coaches feel that he's behind him. Well, where was he on the Ole Miss depth chart? I just saw. I know that the quarterback is returning is Jackson Dart guy, and I also read this morning where the starting quarterback for Oklahoma State just transferred to Ole Miss. So I don't see why he's any better of a situation as far as the depth chart is concerned at Ole Miss than he was at a school like it was Green School in LSU. And and I I get that 
And another thing that we have to keep in mind, though, Larry, is we're speculating on uh, depth charts and everything from the outside looking in. We have no idea what's going on on the inside. In fact, some of the rumors about what's going on on the inside wasn't all that great. And so maybe there's behind-the-scenes reasons relationship-wise or you know how things are going-wise that we don't know anything about. Well, that would make more sense than what the perception is. Because the perception is, um, the perception is, I'm a young kid, I just got there, and I want some playing time. That's what the perception is. Yes. You know, and it's like, you know, kids don't want to wait anymore. I don't understand that. I, I, <laughs> you know, you've only been there a year. Give it some time. I, look, it would make sense to me had he stayed another year. And then the following year, if he was still behind Nussmar, if was the one, he was the two, you know, that would be more more understanding. But right now, people are scratching their head like, man, why don't you give it some more time? Come on. You know, you, you've only been there a year, and you redshirted your first year. So, you know, that's what's confusing. But I don't see why he, he's in any better position at Ole Miss with this kid from Oklahoma State transferring over there today. You know, he'll be third on the depth chart over there. Well, we don't know what Lane told him. No, we don't. And he's got a way of speaking, right, foot. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Jeff, you have a good day. You too. Thank you. Not close to baseball season yet, but still always good talking to Larry. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you if you especially... If you're considering a a career change, you might want to come join the fun at Delta Media. If you have any type of sales experience from retail to telemarketing, anything in between, Delta Media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to sales director, John Ed Cochran at jcochran at deltamediacorp.com or give her a call at 337-896-1600, 896-1600. Can you imagine if the little MVPs decide to finally get their act together this year, how brutal our division's going to be? I mean, unbelievable. Like, the Astros are pretty good. Uh, The Mariners are pretty good. The Rangers have spent a lot of money. I think they're going to be pretty good. I don't know. I don't know how the little MVPs are going to do it, but if they ever get their act together, I saw someone write a story earlier this week that suggested they think Mike Trout's about this coming year is going to be the best year of Mike Trout's career. I don't know. If they would get their act together, man, that division would be brutal. All right. We can't worry about that yet. Pitchers and catchers don't report for another month. For now, we'll go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, foot. Howdy, sir. Hey, hey. Everybody's disappointed that Howard's leaving and, and, you know, 
as well they should be, but shouldn't this be a, a show of times where we can actually be excited as a team, as a fan base for LSU with this happening? The fact that they actually have quarterbacks in the quarterback room who are worth a damn and multiple guys, and you have another guy coming in that's a four- or five-star and you'll probably consistently have those guys coming in who will compete each and every year instead of just having two and three stars or whomever and, and uh, everybody fighting for position and you really ain't got nothing. You know, that's a point. I was watching um, some of the Monday game between the Yucks and the Cowboys, and we were discussing that subject, how LSU went through a period where, you know, other than maybe that one year with Zach Mettenberger where they never really had plus passers. I know Jamarcus Russell at times but we all know what Jamarcus Russell so it was you know yeah I think that's a fair point that that there's a lot of good depth there and like we talked yesterday with Koki that it's a situation where you know the depth it's a it's a numbers game and that's that's what your point your LSU hadn't had a good numbers game at quarterback for most of the last two decades so that's encouraging yeah, absolutely I mean I'd, I'd rather be a little disappointed that somebody like Walker Howard who's going to be good, you know, wherever he goes, leaves. Whereas you try, please let us have a quarterback that can throw the ball this year. Please, I'd rather have that. A little disappointment instead of agonizing over, you know, who's going to throw the damn ball. That's fair. I think that's a good comment, a little perspective. We all need it. Yep, yep. All right, you have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for the call, sir. No, I, 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 I think that's a fair comment. I think it's good. Um, again, I get Larry's point, and there are a lot of people that are a little surprised that it's happening. But while Larry was talking, I had to remind myself, and we all need to, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't really know the dynamic between teammates, between player and coordinator or player and head coach, and we just don't know. I mean, and so... And then NIL money plays into stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case here. I'm just saying there's so many factors now that go into kids transferring that we never really thought a whole lot um, in the past. And so, you know, we're all speculating. And maybe we'll get some, some answers at some point. But I, I get the confusion uh, I get why we're speculating, but um, to Dwayne's point, it might all work out in the long run for both sides, so we'll see how it played out. Speaking of, I don't know if we have time to, to get to this. Well, let, let's just set it up, and then we'll we'll get to it um, when we get to the next break. But Cajun basketball tonight. <clears throat> Cajuns are at Arkansas State, and... After starting out 0-2, there were a lot, you know, there are a lot of people that were very upset. There were a lot of people that were upset before the season started. Uh, there were a lot of people that were upset last year and the year before that and the year before that. So I get all of that. But when they started out 0-2, it was like, oh, no, here, you know, it's not going to get any better. Well, they've won four straight. If they can figure out, you know, I remember after winning the two home games, 
I said that if the Cajuns can win three out of four, and especially if they win four out of these four road games, but if they can win three of the four road games, then I, I really like their chances of finishing in the top two or three of the league. And that, that theoretically, at that point, you have a, you know, pretty realistic chance of maybe winning the conference tournament, which is all it's what it's all about at this level. We understand that. But I think in the in terms of the court of public perception, it's important that the Cajuns finish like first or second in the league. Be nice if they win the league. Because I think so many people when they when they were picked to win the league, we're like, huh, I don't know about that. We'll see how that plays out. And so, the, 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 you know, there's that negative thought that come in. And when you start out 0-2 in conference, then you, then you really have that. So I think tonight's game is huge, really for both. And we talked about the women's side when Steve, when Steve was on. But <clears throat> I think it's a huge game because if you – again, we're just guessing here. But if you tell me going into this weekend – that the Cajuns are going to split. You take a split on the road. I mean, I really think they have a pretty good chance of winning both. But if you told me right now, the whole bird in hand, like you get a split, first of all, I'd probably take it. Although I really kind of think they can split. I mean, they can sweep. And if you, but also would say probably the one they're going to win is the Arkansas State game, even though. They haven't had a lot of success in Jonesboro. They've lost four in a row, and they've—I I mean, I didn't go beyond like three or four years, but it, it, they just haven't won there that many times. And the last time they won uh, was like ninety to eighty-seven in overtime. You know, they won by the hair of their chinny chin chin. So, I, 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 this to me is a big game. Now, you know, if they win tonight, going to Texas State. Who did the opposite? They started out 0-2 at home, and then they went on the road and started winning games. So, it you know, I've, I think on paper, Texas State has a better chance of beating the Cajuns than Arkansas State, even though we've talked about it quite a few times about how the Cajuns struggle in Jonesboro recently. Um, but if, if they win tonight, man, you gotta you got to really feel good about where – what, what the prospects are for the rest of the season. Again, assuming you stay healthy and, you know, all kind of things play into whether teams win or lose games. But if the Cajuns win tonight and get it to five straight, you know, Marshall's really good. Marshall's played all their games at home. Almost all their conference games so far have been at home. And so I, I really like because the Cajuns – Seem to play, although they've been a pretty good road team this year. They seem to play well at home. Um, if they win tonight, you got to like their chances. All right, let's take a timeout. And I want to revisit the grass is greener thing having to do with Cajun men's basketball on the other side of this timeout. So we'll take it and we'll be back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Ash. Are you fluent in footlish? 
Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. The game hotline 706-0111. Want to remind you that the LSU women's basketball team will be taking on Arkansas tonight. 7.30 pregame, 8 o'clock. Tip, and you can hear all the action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I'm not real up for 8 o'clock tips. I got to tell you, that's too late. 8 o'clock tip. But that's what happens when you, um, you know, when TV gets involved and it's just it's part of the dig, part of the deal. All right. I was talking about Cajun basketball before. I decided to look this up, and we mentioned some of this last year but I'll kind of refresh your memory. The thought came through my mind watching the Cajuns play on Saturday. You know, I wonder what this season, would it be much better or would it not even be as good? Was it a blessing in disguise, even though he was very talented in some areas? I wonder what the year, what this season would have been like or how different things would be if Theo Akuba was on had not transferred to Ole Miss. Um, so I said, let me, you know, Ole Miss is not doing very well. Theo, by the way, in 18 games, he started five of them. He's playing 13 minutes. He's averaged 13 minutes a game. He's um, doing awful at the free throw line, shooting 52%. He's got, he's averaging three points and two rebounds a game. Not much. We talk about the grass is isn't always greener. You know, a year ago, a year before, Cedric Russell and Malik Wilson left. Cedric Russell went to Ohio State. He averaged 12 minutes a game, uh, 4.2 points. Actually shot a pretty good percentage from three-point, but he didn't play very much. Uh, boy, could he have made a big difference on the Cadence team last year. Malik Wilson went to Texas Tech last year, averaged 2.5 points a game, 15 minutes, 1.7 rebound, nothing. You know, did, did very, very little. Now he's not even on Texas Tech anymore. He's at Houston and played at all. He don't play at all. So, uh, you know, you wonder, some of the Cajuns in football that left had some moderate success. You know, and some of them really good. Like Kyron Lacey had some moments. We'll see how he plays out. But Gardner McKay did pretty good at cornerback. And... Some, uh, you know, obviously, um, Osiris is, you know, a lot of, some people are projecting him. He's going to be a first-round pick, so he did really, really good. But you knew that guy. From from what, you know, when you, even at a mid-major level, especially on the, when you start as a freshman and look at physically, you, you just knew he had a bright, bright future. The things that they said about him from the very beginning were like, whoa, like, that, you know, it's no fluke. You knew he had a bright future. And so some of the football transfers have actually done pretty well. But in men's basketball, 
not too many people have transferred and done anything at all. I mean, you just wonder, it, you know, they didn't, at least on paper. Now, you know, did they make friends and enjoy the school and atmosphere and camp? I mean, I don't know about all that. And, you know, we're never going to really know about that unless we know these people personally and really know. But uh, I got to believe Cedric regretted it. Uh, I wonder if Theo has regretted it. And, and I wonder... You know, would Terrence even be on the team if Theo was on the team, and, and 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 how that would work out? You just never know. You know, when you when 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 changes are made, it's interesting. To when you played a what if game, you just don't know how things will work out. But again, that's three that's that's three pretty prominent players that have transferred in the last couple of years from the Cajun men's basketball program. And all of them, at least statistically, their careers did not match what they left, how it was before they left. So I guess there's different reasons you can come up with that. Every no, I'm sure none of these situations are identical, but it's uh, just just an interesting thought that I had. And I uh, Saturday I was like, I wonder what it would be like if Theo was still here. But we'll never know. And uh, the Cajuns now, they're not worried about all that. All they're worried about is beating Arkansas State tonight. And if they do, that's five in a row and with a lot of home games left. So we'll see how all that plays out. Again, got a few minutes left. If you would like to uh, comment on any of the things that we discussed today on on the game hotline, we uh, here we go again. We didn't get to the matchups. But I got to tell you, that Bengals, and we'll talk about it a lot more tomorrow, but that Bengals-Bills matchup is, what is that scheduled for? 2 o'clock on Sunday. That's about as juicy a um, playoff matchup as you can get. I mean, think about it. The Bengals are all mad. You know, they feel like they're being disrespected. You've got this, this incredibly strange and I would think totally unprecedented scenario where you're playing a potential AFC championship game at a neutral site and you're selling tickets for a game that might not even happen before the divisional round games even being played. So that makes the Bengals all mad. I mean, it's just, that's just so bizarre, that scenario. And then you've got, the whole DeMar Hamlin situation where he's been around the training facility, you got to believe he's going to make this big appearance or I don't know, you know, they're going to, you know, put him out there at midfield. Everybody's going to clap and get all inspired. So that's, you know, you've got that whole scenario. You've got this game that wasn't played between the two or at least like a quarter of it was played. And, you know, that, more people were paying attention to and talking about than than any NFL subject because people who didn't even care about the NFL were were, were interested in that situation and 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 pulling for Demar and and all of that. So I I don't know that you can get a more just I don't even know what the word just interesting matchup, intriguing matchup, just so many angles. Um. Then you then you can this Bengals Bills matchup. And again, I, I 
I have this thought in the back of my mind that the Bills are not the same team. They they didn't look good last week. Of course, neither did the Bengals. But I really think the Ravens took it to the Bengals. The Ravens are supposed to win that game with the effort that they played. And I'm not talking about pregame. I'm talking about once you saw the matchup and you saw the game plan and you saw the preparation on the field, you're like, the Bengals, the, the Ravens were more ready for this. And they should have won, but they, they just they, they couldn't get it done inside the five. It was just that simple. You know, I always talk about no man's land being somewhere between like the 36, 37-yard line and like the 45 where you're right on the edge where you feel like an idiot for punting, but you may not be able to kick a field goal depending on the weather situation or where you're playing. But for a lot of teams, including the Saints this year, and it was certainly the case uh, for the Ravens in that in Cincinnati last week, no man's land is like between the, you know, the goal zone essentially, like inside the five. Like once you get inside the five, if it, you know, unless you have some great plan or a dominant offensive line, teams are almost lost inside the five. Like they don't know, they they can't really get it done. They struggle, and the Saints struggled mildly, but it's not just the Saints. A lot of teams have been struggling. It's like people really have to start rethinking, like, what do you call when you get inside the five? Like, it's almost at the point now where if I'm at the one or two-yard line and I get an illegal, you know, false start or a, you know, delay a game or whatever, and you back it up to the six or seven, you probably have a bet. A lot of teams probably have a better chance of scoring from the six or seven than they do the one or the two, especially if you're like the Saints and, you, and your dump truck weighs, you know, under 200 pounds. And he's actually supposed to be a Z28, but you decide to turn him into a dump truck because you don't understand football for whatever reason. And, and, and you want to waste his talent. And then, you know, you're just running into brick walls. And then... Or are you trying to do the Drew Brees thing and you have no idea how to do it? I mean, what was that? But but no, this um this Bengals Bills game is it, it, again, it's fascinating on so many levels. But but I wonder the Bills again, they won the first game after the the the, the Moore Hamlin game that didn't get played. But they won kind of in a fluky manner. They won because they returned two kickoffs for touchdowns, which hardly ever happens, ever. You know, unless you're the Giants and the Saints. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And it's, in recent years, it hasn't been happening. It's been happening even less. And the chances of it, that was a fluky. Like, that, I think that might have covered up the Bills not being there. In other words, the Bills... They haven't played. They haven't looked like the Bills in a, in quite a while now. And I was thinking that Josh Allen's injury made him to lean on the run game more, that that was going to pay off for him, and maybe it still will. There's still a chance that having to rely more on the running game was good for them, and I, I thought it was good for him, but – they got to stop turning over the football, and I just, I just wonder if mentally they're the same team, because the last two performances it doesn't really look like it. You know, it's possible that they peaked too early too, just like the Eagles did. So again, though, when you look at these matchups and all those ways, it, um, 
Look, I don't think there's going to be too many people outside of Jacksonville picking Jags to beat the Chiefs. Uh, I think the Jags probably have the Jags probably have a little better chance than most of the national media's thinking, but I don't think there's going to be too many people not picking the Chiefs. Um, I think there's a growing support for the Giants. Not so much that you like them, but that you kind of like the way they're playing, and you and you just don't know how ready the Eagles are because they haven't really been playing that well lately. And I think most people are thinking the cheaters are going to win. You know that are not Cowboy fans, but um, but this Bengals Bills game, I I don't know. I got a lot of questions about both teams. Uh, the motivations and the emotions are going to be sky high. I mean, they're already sky high for a playoff game. They're really going to be sky high for different reasons in that game because the Bengals feel that whole disrespect card and all of that and and, and the Bills, you know, the whole DeMar Hamlin situation. So, man, I, I don't know. That game is going to be fascinating. You know, I hope I get to see that game. I could do without seeing most of these other ones. And I'm certainly not watching the Cowboys play the cheaters. I mean, you want to talk about? I mean, that is a that's just make you want to throw up. I mean, I just I there's no way I could watch that game. It's just way 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 too nauseating to watch that matchup. So, just you know, I'll find out after what happens. Let's just put it that way. We'll just find out what happens afterwards on that one. So no, we'll talk more about the actual matchups. Tomorrow, but I did want to mention some today because last week we didn't get to it until Friday. For now, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home. For the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You wonder, I guess, and look, I I heard about this. I haven't put a lot of thought into it. I guess the NFL feels like they have no choice. But, man, I mean, there's no way to keep it secret. If you're going to try to sell tickets, then I guess you got to advertise or you can't really sell tickets. It just, it's. That's got to be one of the strangest aspects to analyzing a game ever. They're selling tickets for a game that might not happen. Because, I mean, I wonder. I mean, you, you have to make plans. But every week, you don't know if you're traveling the next week. Like, Right now, these teams don't know. they. You can make travel plans, but you might have to cancel them because you don't know if your team's going to win. So the uncertainty of what next week is going to be I, is never – there's never any certainty. Did they really have to do this? I guess they felt like they had absolutely no choice. But it is a it is a bad look. And, look, there are already people out there that were a little eh, the way that the Bills-Dolphin game was officiated. I would not want to be official in this in this Chiefs-Bingo game. I mean, I would not want to be an official. And they need to. We talked about it a lot earlier in the week and a little bit yesterday. 
about how, you know, the NFL was starting to finally maybe think about we need to have an eye in the sky, which they should have had for the last 40 years. It's really not that complicated, folks. They should have had it for the last 40 years, and they're starting to do, they're starting to take some baby steps in that direction. But they bet they need they better correct stuff. They need to correct stuff. You know, it was essentially like do the right thing and worry about the ramifications later. Like that was essentially what Casper thought they should have done in the 2018 NFC Championship game. You saw something that was a horrible missed call. Correct it. Just get it corrected. And worry about, you know, if you follow protocol later. Get it right, and we'll worry about the ramifications later. They need to have that mentality in this game. If, if, if there's an, a, a bad error, especially in this game, because I'm telling you, the emotions are really high in this game, more high than any, of these other, than any of these other games. They need to get it right and worry about the ramifications later, even if they don't follow protocol. That's it for today's show. Y'all have a nice day.